The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, oh, that's a very good question. Uh, hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Joe Napote, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Uh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom, how are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon... They will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody, as we roll into Hour 2 of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program. We're going to shift gears this hour and uh, turn to a new book. Uh, My guest this hour has been a successful entrepreneur, scientist, corporate executive, uh, entrepreneur, entertainer, filmmaker, and holistic hotelier. We're going to find out what a holistic hotelier is when we talk to the author of a new book which promises to be the first in a series it's called I Can See Clearly Rise of a Supernatural Hero by James Cusimano who joins me by phone Uh, Jim welcome to the show it's nice to be with you Tom Um, are we loud and clear can you hear me we are loud and clear and I hope you can hear me as well Um, I can I have to ask, what is a holistic hotelier? <laughs> well, it's uh, it's something that came about because of the evolution of myself and my, my wife uh, over the years. But uh, basically, it means a hotel, a spa, restaurant, and um, let's say escape in the forest because it's uh, it's actually a castle that we converted and, and renovated uh, here in the Czech Republic. I'm actually calling you from Prague. I live in Prague. I'm an American, but I moved here uh, some years ago. And uh, ho- holistic means body, mind, and spirit. We have programs to help people, body, mind, and spirit. Now, at this castle, I, I, I'm just speculating, is there a uh, restaurant or lounge is, and is it called Jim's American Cafe? <laughs> <laughs> no, if I told my wife that I don't think she'd agree, but anyway, we have a we have a restaurant as a matter of fact, uh it's been voted among the the top 10 
uh, for the last, I don't know, 15 years in the Czech Republic and a couple of times was voted number one. So it's, it's quite a great restaurant and, uh, it's, uh, it serves super food and people really like it because it's not stuffy, but it's healthy and, uh, it's designed by a really creative chef. Our head chef is just an incredible guy. So, um, we have a lot of fun. You know, this is really, not something we did just to make money. We did it because we wanted to make a little dent in the universe over here. <laughs> well, Jim, I've known a lot of uh, restaurateurs over the years, and I know how hard they work. This is my first castle. Um, <laughs> how <laughs> well, do you, how do you find time to write? Uh, well, it's, um, it's because I, I basically have... Um, three, let's say, three aspects of my life purpose right now. My life purpose has changed. We can talk about that a little bit in the, if you'd sure. like to in a while. But uh, there, there are three things that I do right now. One is I, my highest priority is to uh, be there for my wife and uh, my three daughters. I have three daughters. Two of them live in California. One is a teenager who lives here with us. And uh, my second purpose is to provide whatever wisdom I can uh, over the years that I've learned to Chateau Mazzelli. That's the name of the, the, the chateau, the, the castle. And my, my third is, uh, is to write, and uh, not write just to publish books. Uh, I am focused uh, what I call um, wisdom fiction. And um, that happens because um, a big part of my life purpose is to take what I've learned over the years in, in the eclectic a series of uh, occupations that I've had over the past several decades and um, to take what I've learned and weave it throughout the narrative of an exciting uh, thriller and uh, I can see clearly ha it happens to be a an espionage spy thriller and the purpose of that is to subtly uh, tell people what I've learned that might help them in their life without writing a, a how to do it book which I, I have done in the past as well so that's uh, that's kind of my whole uh, thing right now, uh, how I spend my time. But it is uh, it takes budgeting, and it's uh, it's not easy. Um, and I'm constantly readjusting my my balance. I actually wrote a book five or six years ago called Balance: The Business Life Connection. I'm, I'm sure you can understand this. Everybody can. How do you balance your life between your basic personal values and, and your your profession? And that's, a, that's an ongoing, consistent thing that you do for most of your life. And it's not easy, but if you do it, the benefits are fairly profound. But it's a good question you ask. It's, it's not easy to do all the things we're doing and do them right and do them well and get the, the, the awards and rewards that we're getting. Well, and, and I want to get to the, the book in a minute, but I meant to, to mention when I introduced you, Jim, that, that you had written books before, both fiction and nonfiction. Um, mm -hmm. but, but I also mentioned this was the first in a series. Did you know when you began the book that it was going to be the first in a series, or did you get to the end and go, but wait, there's more? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, actually, I didn't know when I started, and um, halfway through the book, I said, my God, this... I don't want to make this too long, but this this can actually be a trilogy. I can see three books here, and um, and so that's I talked to my agent, and he said, "Well, great idea." And so um, I wrote that, and there's kind of a surprise ending at the end of I can see clearly, 
and that surprise ending is a uh, a hook to take you to the next book, uh, which is uh, which is tentatively called Seagull's Revenge right now, and uh, so that's that's the second book, and I I just finished a first draft of which is far from the complete book uh, of the second book, and probably it'll be before the end of the year that it's uh, uh, published. But yeah, I didn't I didn't know it just just happened as I was writing that it it made sense to make it into three books. Um, there's so much I want to ask you about the book, but first I I, I want to mention this this one uh, quote that that's on the uh, book jacket. Um, it says, uh, "I can see clearly as an engaging story of enlightenment beneath Luke Ponty's journey toward understanding his life purpose lies spiritual guidance on how to use our innate gifts to make the world a better place." The reason that I mention that quote, and there are several nice ones about the book, but it's by uh, Joe Robert Cole, who's a co-writer of the Black Panther screenplay. That's right. Yeah. How did you how did you capture Joe Robert Cole to, you know, review the well, book for you? Well, I, I I approached him for his input because uh, I know that he's a, a big uh, writer of superheroes, and through some friends of mine in Los Angeles, they were able to get the manuscript to him, and he liked it a lot. And so, in fact, uh, he he sees it possibly as an episodic series uh, on someplace like Amazon Prime or, or Netflix or something. And I know that's a long stretch, but uh, it may be something like that. But Joe also, um, he, um, I don't, did you see the Black Panther, uh, oh, yeah. Tom, at all? Yeah. I okay. Agree. Well, of all the superhero movies, the thing that attracted me to that movie is that he dealt with uh, some things that were really important to the world and had a really good ending about. Uh, if you notice, uh, in, in that book, he treats people of color with due respect. He treats women with respect. There are a lot of powerful women in that thing. He treats um, sharing technology in the way that will make the world better. I was really attracted to the fact that he had all of these values. And I think that's one of the reasons besides all the marvelous uh, special effects and, and, and the uh, script uh, and the acting as well. But I think it's one of the reasons it's been considered one of the best superhero movies ever written. And uh, Joe himself is a very, how shall I say it, he's a spiritual guy. Uh, he likes to, to write things that make, make a difference. And that's really, that's really my thing because over the years, as I progressed um, from over i would say several as you read them earlier i was i started my life as a recording artist became a scientist a corporate executive an entrepreneur a filmmaker and then the holistic entrepreneur and an author but as i went through those paths of very different um categories um they really built on my skills and i i, I learned a lot about finding life purpose and what impact Finding life purpose, anyone, everyone, finding life purpose can have on, on humanity. And, uh, and in fact, uh, Tom, it's my firm belief that um, I think everybody really deep down, you, you, I know you'll, you'll find people saying, oh, I want to make a million dollars, I want to be the head of this corporation, I want to be president, whatever. But deep down, in a moment of truth, everybody wants to do something that makes a difference in the world. 
And, and that difference is really turns out to be their, their life purpose. And the life purpose may change throughout their life. They may have one, two, or three. I, I've had, I think, three. But there's something else that doesn't change. And, and that's the, uh, your, your fundamental essence, what you come into this world with, what you're good at. Everybody comes in, every single human being that's healthy comes into this world, in my view, from what I've learned over so many decades, with something that they're really good with. And um, if, they, um, if they discover that, and many times when we're young, when we're young kids, we know what that is. And, um, we, you know, it may be a hard skill like in the arts or music or dance or sports or science or math or writing or whatever. Or it might be a soft skill, something like leadership, courage, compassion, resilience. You're a team player or a communicator. But whatever that skill is, and it may be that you have one, two, or three skills like that, uh, I think the fundamental thing to do in order finding happiness and fulfillment is to seek your life purpose, and you do that by spending some time, and it's, this is the hard part. The, the downstream piece is easier. The hard part is taking what you're good at and finding a need in the world that makes it just a little bit better. You don't have to change the world dramatically. And when you do that, you have found at that moment, your life purpose for that period of time in your life. And what I found in my, in my life, and I found it with lots of people, I spent 30 years in Silicon Valley and as an entrepreneur building two companies. And I, I found all of the successful entrepreneurs there had the same thing. When they found this thing, it creates a passion, and, and, and it, it's a strong passion which creates both physical and emotional energy so that kind of the left and the right side of your brain connect very fluidly. And uh, this leads to what I found is a very high level of creativity. So you find out all of a sudden you're solving problems and dealing with issues you never, ever thought you could do. And that inevitably, if you stay with it, it leads to innovation, doing something new. And innovation often has a reward. And the reward could be financial. It could be spiritual. It could be phys uh, psychological or some combination. And when you have that reward, you feel a sense of gratefulness. This is the, this is the path that I found. And it's impossible uh, to feel gratefulness and not feel happiness and fulfillment. And so that that, that path of going to essence, to need, to purpose, to passion, to energy, creativity, innovation, reward, gratefulness, and fulfillment, that's what I found um, through my life. You know, and it, I, it, I didn't know it in the beginning. I made lots of mistakes. But along the way, wanting to make a difference in the world, I discovered that with the help of other people who were much smarter than I uh, and, and, and learning that. And I, the reason I, I turned to I can see clearly is um, and, and and books like that that I'll do afterwards. This so-called wisdom fiction is I wanted to reach a large audience, not not Jim, because I want to sell yeah. a lot of books. Jim, I want to reach a large audience to help them. And Jim, I, want to I hate do it in to, I hate to interrupt, but I have to go to break here. Can you stick around for sure. a few minutes because I want to get absolutely, into a lot more absolutely. of this. Absolutely, my guest is. Uh, James Cusimano, who uh, has written a book called I Can See Clearly, Rise of a Supernatural Hero. We're going to let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well. Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can. Keep wearing masks correctly and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19 and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. I know of a place where you never get harmed, a magical place with magical charms, indoors, indoors, indoors. 
Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. And welcome back, everybody. Uh, we continue my conversation with author James Cusimano. Uh, his book uh, is uh, promises to be the first of a series. It's called I Can See Clearly, Rise of a Supernatural Hero. And uh, Jim joins us by phone from Prague. Jim, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that. No, no problem. Uh, I enjoyed listening to it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I didn't leave you with elevator music. No, that's true, and I, you know, I got a slice of Middle America, which is kind of nice. <laughs> um, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that, because uh, we were talking in the last segment about the fact that you and your wife operate a castle in Prague, and, right. and, and you have worked and traveled all over the world, and you mentioned uh, the world, and I, I just, I just want to ask, before we get back to talking about the book, um, the entire world has been impacted by this this global pandemic known as COVID nineteen, and have been sheltering right. at home. What's it like mm-hmm. to shelter in castle? <laughs> well, <laughs> it's uh, it, it is a challenging time right now, Tom, because uh, the Czech Republic has its challenges like a number of other countries with COVID nineteen, and uh, right now um, the primary. Uh, we, we normally operate at a fairly high uh, capacity, um, but right now our capacity is, is very modest, and the reason for that is because by government mandate, the only customers that we're, are allowed to come uh, to Chateau Metzeli, which is the name of the, the castle, are um, business travelers. And so we have a number of business travelers, and they sometimes bring their wife, and because we we have a a great program, a great spa, and um, I think they they love to be able to do that. But it's it's kind of challenging. The only thing that makes it easier is that um, the, the castle is located high on a hill in a huge forest overlooking a small village. And it's uh, it's about one hour drive from the very center of Prague, and so you have lots of hiking trails that you can go through safely. Uh, it's it's okay to to go through these. It's not it doesn't violate any of the laws right now because, uh, in terms of distance, um, your distance from other people, it's it's not uh, that's not an issue. So you can bike through the forest. You can walk through the forest. And uh, and so that makes it a little bit easier, but it's quite a difference, and it's uh, the vibrance is not there as it was before uh, the pandemic hit us. And uh, so we're, but we're hoping that as we move into the, the late spring in May and perhaps the early summer, that things will get a little bit easier and open up. But yeah, we're 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 struggling like everybody else for sure. Jim, I was just rereading the uh, biography on the jacket of your book, and it refers to you as an alchemist who lives in Prague, <laughs> and and is the owner of Chateau Maselli, an internationally acclaimed castle, hotel, spa, and forest retreat. Jim, you sound like a character in one of your books. Well, I've been told that before, actually. <laughs> 
I I have been um, I've been an alchemist uh, most of my well I would say since I was ten years old and I'll tell you of course I I developed further by reading a lot about alchemy and studying it and uh, and then actually um, eventually got a, a PhD in uh, in physical chemistry which is uh, not alchemy of course um, and um, but I um, I my father um, I'm the oldest of ten children. Uh, I've got the three, four boys and, and six girls, and um, my father wanted me to be a uh, physician, and I had no interest in being a physician, but he thought he could convince me, so for Christmas, one Christmas when I was 10 years old, he bought me a chemistry set. I didn't know anything about chemistry, and uh, in those days, uh, the chemistry sets were quite open. You could could make all kinds of the things, uh, some of them quite dangerous. Uh, they weren't protected by the Environmental Protection Agency, which uh, hadn't been invented yet. And so I, uh, I fell in love uh, with uh, some of the things I could make, uh, glue, adhesives, ink. I, I started making ink and selling it to kids at school who had fountain pens. Um, I made perfumes and cosmetics. And I, actually, I guess I discovered I was an entrepreneur because I started selling the stuff in the neighborhood. But as I went on, I studied more about alchemy, and I, I found out that alchemy, real alchemy, was not the um, charlatans who tried to trick the kings and uh, aristocracy to spend lots of money to hopefully uh, change base metals like lead into gold. It, they, the true alchemists, while they worked on things like that, their real interest was how can they create something that would make a person a better better human being, both physically and spiritually. And I don't mean religiously, but I mean internally, their, their very spirit. And so they worked on various types of, um, uh, let's call them uh, elixirs, um, to try to heal, to try to make them uh, more perceptive, to raise their level of consciousness, all kinds of things like that. So I've been interested in it for many, many years and followed it. And, uh, and I, I've always had a laboratory uh, wherever I live. Uh, I don't have one on our home here in Prague, but I had one at Chateau Mazzelli, quite a sizable one. And my wife, Inez, uh, who has been for all, many, many years interested in cosmetics, designed a whole line of um, cosmetics that are healthy, totally natural, and based on natural products. And she uh, she took over my lab. Uh, she she <laughs> took over my lab, and she started making them, and they became very popular. In fact, we, we have been, or she has been approached by some of the major uh, cosmetic companies to make them worldwide, but she has no interest in doing that. She wants to keep it small and special, and, uh, and so she manufactures these cosmetics in the laboratory that was once mine, my, my alchemical laboratory at Chateau Mazzelli. And, uh, uh, and we market them all over uh, the Czech uh, and uh, Slovak Republic, as well as in Germany and some other countries. And she uses them especially in our spa. Uh, people love them because of the, the way, what it does for their skin and that sort of thing. So we have alchemy going through our, uh, our veins in one way or the another. And we also have, at Chateau Mazzelli, we serve various alchemical drinks. Um, which are designed to hopefully improve your health. And we have a lot of fun with that, putting dry ice and making them bubble and smoke and that sort of <laughs> thing. And people, people get a kick out of it. So it's, it's a lot of fun. 
Well, I, now I'm, I'm really curious. We, we talked a little bit in the last segment about all the different things you've done as an entertainer, scientist, mm-hmm. entrepreneur, filmmaker, and so on. And, and, and I read somewhere that, that you use all of those experiences to inform your writing. Your your fiction yes, work. I do. And, I absolutely do. And and so I, I I'm gonna fire off a, a a couple three questions here and let you just wade through it. Um, the story uh, features Luke Ponty, who is a teen, um, who has a this lifelong dream of playing varsity ball for a top college, and right. and major in engineering. Right. And he inadvertently um, attains supernatural powers. Right. And a, a lot of things roll into this. Um, he, he ends up in this, this uh, spy thriller scenario where the CIA is involved. He, right. One of his abilities has something to do with uh, traversing time and space. Um You've you've mixed a number of my favorite things, you know, spy novel, superhero, time travel. <laughs> all of these things roll into it. But the question, a couple of questions to start with, is why the name Luke Ponty? Because I keep wanting to say Jean Luc Ponty. Ah, okay. And, um, and the other is why a teenage hero in in this. Okay, so let's go to the first question. Um, Luke Ponty, because um, my family, my my mother and my father, their parents, both of them, come from the same village in Sicily. They're Italian. Uh, Well, they're they're deceased now, of course. But um, and so I grew up um, in in an Italian neighborhood. I know a lot about the Italian customs, and one of the unusual things that Luke Ponty <laughs> has, if you've noticed, is that he learned from his his uh, his uh, grandfather, his uh, maternal grandfather, that uh, how to curse in Italian. I was going to say, many, when you said Italian customs, I thought you were going to say Italian cussing. <laughs> well, it, it, it is Italian cussing, because what Luke does is kind of cute. He... Um, he basically, you know, there are a lot of people, he's in, he's in uh, Silicon Valley in Palo Alto, he's going to Palo Alto High School, and there, there aren't too many Italians there, and so not very many people, especially the teachers, speak Italian, so whenever he gets aggravated or angry, he smiles and curses at them in Italian, and of course it sounds so melodic, they don't know what he's saying, but he's, he's getting his anger out, and he, he also does it to referees on the court and to uh, the opposing players. So uh, one of the little uh, cutesy things that I put in there is that throughout the novel, Luke very often speaks uh, uh, Italian, A very and, and I have a... A thing in the back of the book, I have a translator which t- tells people exactly what he's saying, uh, if if they're interested. But uh, so that I, it's because of my my heritage, I decided to make it Luke Ponty. Um, originally, the the kid's name was Lucas Taylor, but I didn't didn't like it. I I, I wanted to do something a little bit more close uh, to what I know. And so I, I changed it to, to Luke Ponty. Now you had a second question. It was and about was, it was about um, 
you know how the selection of a teen as the the person that that goes through this a selection of a I'm sorry oh a teen yes oh this that's a really good question and the reason for that is um, when I wanted this novel to be directed at 13 plus age that's the market and and the reason for that. Uh, I wanted adults to be able to read it, enjoy it, but I especially wanted teenagers to be able to read it and enjoy it because, as I going back to the wisdom fiction thing, I wanted them to learn about the power of consciousness and what you can do with by raising your consciousness. And there's lots of ways to do that through meditation, for example, and how you can manifest things into your life and run your life a lot more effectively. I wanted them to learn about uh, life purpose the meaning of life. And, um, and so all of that is woven through because one of the characters in this book, as you, you probably know, is a very peculiar but interesting, I think, uh, Buddhist monk. And uh, this Buddhist monk uh, was actually born in Brooklyn uh, from Vietnamese parents. And his Vietnamese parents were spies during the Vietnam War for the Americans. And uh, because of that, they, they were rewarded with uh, uh, being transferred to the U.S. and eventually uh, becoming American citizens. Well, uh, this Buddhist monk, his name is Thay, he, he grew up in, uh, and he was about 13 or 14 years old, and he started to get in trouble with some of the teenagers there in Brooklyn. So they shipped him off to Tibet, uh, I mean to Nepal, to go to a, a monastery uh, and, be, and, and to, to learn there. And he, became, he decided to become a monk when he had, uh, he was a climber. He loved climbing. And he had a sort of a life-threatening event, and he decided to become a, uh, a, a monk. And uh, he also was very unusual. He went to Harvard and graduated summa cum laude with a degree in theology and, um, and also in um, uh, physics. Um, he, is a, a, he is a master at uh, Tai Chi and uh, Taekwondo. He's a master chess player, and he does this silly little thing. He plays video games on his phone to improve his focus. So he's quite a character. And um, I, that's now you would have too. to be you would have to be a character, Jim, because I, I only in this book can I think of a path to becoming a Buddhist monk that begins in Brooklyn. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I felt that it, when, when you when the when the teenagers see and even the adults when they see the uh, the development of the monk of say. And where he came from, how, how he develops in, in this, and how he becomes what I call the conciliare, like the godfather, the counselor to uh, Lucas and, his, and the other two folks in, who become part of the spy team, uh, his, uh, his, the, the girl, uh, Bella, and, uh, and the, the boy, um, uh, Eric. So he, he becomes their counselor, and uh, he's, I think in watching what he says and reading what he says, um, the teenagers who read this, in fact, even adults, can learn an awful lot about what I've learned over many decades by stu- because I've been very interested uh, in the, the field of consciousness. I actually uh, wrote a book some years ago called uh, Cosmic Consciousness, and the reason I was interested in because, and it's happening even more and more now, is that scientists uh, in the field of quantum physics 
are finding more and more that the relationship between consciousness and quantum physics is very, very close. And um, it also begins to teach them about the actual, but actual reality. What is reality? Is it really the three-dimensional body that you have, or is it something else inside of you? So I, I've used uh, that to express these things subtly throughout the novel, uh, as well as uh, some of the um, espionage stuff that, that goes on between Luke and his travels to uh, North Korea, to, uh, to, to China, and to Russia. And the the spy element of this, um, and I, and I'm trying to remember the uh, the Buddhist monk. Uh, his his name is Thay. 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 Yeah, I wasn't sure how how to pronounce it. Um, but uh, does the fact that Thay's parents had been spies inform? the 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 spy element or the development of uh, the the spy the espionage thriller part of the no story. no it, it it doesn't what what happens is that um, he uh, Luke when he starts to see these unusual capabilities the, that he has uh, one of one of them he's got three or four of them but one of them is the ability to uh, uh, do an out-of-body experience where his his consciousness can leave his body and go vast distances and in great detail observe what's going on and record it in his mind, come back and write down what he's seen. So what happens is eventually the doctors find out uh, one of the psychiatrists at uh, Stanford University finds out from Luke's medical doctor, because Luke had uh, he had this near-death experience in the hospital when he had peritonitis, his, his appendix broke in his stomach uh, during the, the last few minutes of the, the game that he won for his team. And um, what happens is they found out that, the psychiatrist found out that he had this unusual capability. Well, it turns out the psychiatrist was doing research at Stanford funded by the, by the CIA and uh, on consciousness, and he mentioned it to the CIA, and they, in turn, tried to convince Luke to work for them, and he had no interest to do that, because he was focused on playing basketball and going to Princeton or Duke uh, to play, play basketball for them, and eventually. And, uh, but the, one of the uh, executives in the CIA, and I, I don't want to go too far because I don't want to give away what happens, um, she blackmails him to work for the CIA against the enemy. And he gets a lot of very valuable information um, against his will. He really didn't want to work for the CIA, but, he, but it was a life-changing experience for him, and it taught him an awful lot. So the, it really came from that, not, not specifically from um, Faye's parents. I, I just thought that was an interesting... Uh I, I don't know. I guess uh, you just have to call it a coincidence, but but yeah, nothing. Yeah, I, I, it is. It actually is, and maybe subconsciously in my mind when I was writing it, uh, <laughs> the whole idea of spies was still there, and that's why uh, how I came up with Say's background. Um, but but there are so much that's woven into this story that we can only scratch the surface, even avoiding spoiler alerts. But. Um, and and I and I want to ask you now because we just have about four minutes left. Um, sure. I, I want to make sure and and 
get on your calendar for when the next book comes out because I oh absolutely I'd love to talk to you uh, Tom it would be super I, I really enjoy uh, your conversation and uh, and and the interesting path that your life and career has taken and the way that it's all been folded into your fiction writing I, I'm fascinated by that and I'm sure we could spend another hour just talking about that um, but let me let me do this because you have had so much go on in your life is there I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you obviously the book and um, but but all of the things that you've done and are doing past present and future um, do you have a website Jim I do. Uh, I chew, I do, and um, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to spell it for you because um, it's uh, it's spelled with the ancient uh, letters. And here uh, I'll say it first. It's it's jimthealchemist.com, but it's Jim J I M of course T H E the. But alchemist is not spelt the way it's spelled now in the American dictionary. It's spelled the way it was spelled. Um, a couple of thousand years ago, and it's spelled like this, A-L-C-H-Y-M-I-S-T, A-L-C-H-Y-M-I-S-T.com, jimthealchemist.com. And that's my website, and all of my books are there, uh, all, the, all the things I'm doing, all the media experiences, um, my podcast, uh, everything is there. Now, we were talking about this, uh, about your book. I can see clearly um, Rise of a Supernatural Hero, and it's book one, and, and you indicated that it was part of a trilogy. Right, and um, I, um, I, I can tell you that the, the, the working title of the second one is, uh, is um, Seagull's Revenge, because uh, it turns out, as you'll find out uh, when you read the book, Seagull is a, uh, a, a name, uh, a, a, a secret name for one of the uh, Russian operatives. And, a uh, code Luke, name. Yeah, it's a code name. And so Luke and his um, guys do some things which I can't go into right now, spoiler alert, um, <laughs> that Seagull wants to get back at them. And it's how he deals with Seagull uh, in, in book two as Seagull tries to seek revenge on him and his team. But it's the the continuing adventures of Luke Ponty and friends. Oh, oh, we absolutely. It's the continuing adventures of Luke Ponty. Absolutely. Well, this is this is great. I'm having so much fun. I I feel like I want to do a whole hour with you on uh, <laughs> on the castle. <laughs> well, sometime we can do that. I mean, if you want to, I'd be happy to. I know my wife. My I, my wife would be really uh very happy about it she she's the genius behind it and, and i can tell you in just one second that we uh, she had it was her idea she designed everything and most people told her it would never work because we we built the first uh for a five-star castle hotel and spa in the czech and slovak republics and most people said people won't come but it turned out to be an amazing success because of her dream and her passion to do it right and to give a gift to people that come there. Well, we've got to end it there, Jim, but uh, thanks so much for spending this time with me this morning. Jim Cusimano, author of I Can See Clearly. Thank you.
It's been my pleasure. Thanks, Tom, and have a great day. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. We're going to take a short break, but we've got more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the bricks. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write to us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at 810-339-8255, or contact us on Facebook. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner Program where to go. feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila, tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all-night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. It's a major factor in dancing like a retard. may cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. 
alcohol may cause pregnancy, and it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila! From the Tom Sumner Show. Oh, yeah. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. I would like to take you to the opera where you are going to hear a Mozart opera, which is nothing but an opera written by Mozart. <laughs> this is an opera in one act, and it begins when the curtain rises. Otherwise, you couldn't see a thing. <laughs> the stage setting is a kind of a forest. There are two large trees, which of course indicates the forest. It's a kind of a small forest, but it's a forest. <laughs> First, the tenor comes in, he is supposed to meet his soprano, as they usually call those ladies. But she is a little late this particular season, so he hides himself behind one of the trees in order to surprise her when she comes in a little later, which she does. So when she arrives, she can't find him because he is occupied behind one of the trees. Ah, he's with a knife carving her name into the <laughs> scenery. Now, she doesn't know that he is there, but, uh, well, as a matter of fact, she must know it because she saw it during rehearsals. <laughs> Either she pretends that she doesn't know it or she's just plain stupid. <laughs> now, whatever it is, she gets across the stage somehow and takes place behind the other tree, which, for the occasion, hides her. <laughs> to a certain extent. Now, the chorus comes in, but nobody knows why, except Mozart, and he is dead. <laughs> and that's just too bad. Next, her father comes in, and he is a very old man, Primarily because she is a very old soprano. <laughs> and he is very angry because apparently she is not his daughter. Now, this has nothing to do with the opera. I found that out myself. <laughs> and that's what we call research. <laughs> anyway, he decides that he has had enough of her, so he tells her to die, and that's exactly what she's going to do. <laughs> and with that, the opera ends, and people can go home. Now I take you to the opera house where you hear the conductor's footsteps when he enters the orchestra pit. Here he comes. Yeah, he walks sideways. <laughs> and this is the overture. <laughs> This, ladies and gentlemen, was the first part of the overture. 
Now you hear the second part, and that's exactly the same. <laughs> This little bloop is an extra bloop. We have in case we shoot one short of bloops. But that has never happened, so we have a lot of bloops left over. Now the curtain rises and the tenor arrives. He's a little tall fellow. He comes in. He comes in from the left in a single file. He goes behind the tree right away. <laughs> now the leading lady arrives. She is supposed to fill the part of the soprano. Now she not only fills it, she overflows it a little bit. She's a big husband, a big, uh, uh, she's a big soprano, that's what she is. She's what we call a messy soprano. She comes in in a single pile. She also arrives backwards, but nobody notices the difference. She goes behind the other tree. She can hardly wait because... Uh, see, she is... She supposedly hasn't... She hasn't met him for a long time, so she is just... She's anxious. Now is the time for the chorus. The light is dimmed, so you can hardly see these people when they arrive, and that's why they're dressed in a kind of cheap underwear. Because there is no reason to spend a lot of money for costumes when you can't see them. Right? And that's the way the management of this theater feels about it, and that's the way it's gonna be. Here they come. Bread and butter. Now they're all in and they fool around in the dark for a little while. This is a mixed chorus. Bread and butter. Now they're out, they get the money and go home. Next, a baritone comes in and sings, Torre ador, Torre ador. But he finds out that he's in the wrong opera. Now, the father comes in, the old man, and he is the basso.
now told her what he had to say and she understands him quite well so now she prepares herself to die but before she dies she sings an aria the so-called die aria <laughs> She seems very happy about it. She dies by stabbing herself between the two big trees. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Arms up. 
broken wine See you on the other side Hi, I'm Alexander Zanjic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner.